You are now listening to the Socks and Sandals podcast. Every time an independent, a truly independent source goes into the Portland Police Bureau, we find chaos. Just one of the people like just told to my managers who like had fired me, and they were like, yeah, did you see Tevin's video was on Complex? And he was like, man, dog, they sick, man. That moment, I thought, you know what? I don't care. I'm gonna sit here in the middle of this aisle in Target and talk to her and break down what is going on and why she believes that these white Barbie dolls are more valuable or should come home with us over these brown and black Barbie dolls. I think that what we're forgetting is that racism is a very lucrative project. Mm-hmm. As long as you can keep a whole bunch of people down because you miseducated the whole population. Then you can make money off those people. So what is the gospel? What is the pure unadulterated yes, gospel? Yes, yes, and that is what I live by. Because the moment this changes is the moment I'm leaving Christianity. Okay. The pure, unadulterated gospel, and I can say it in one sentence, but I'll elaborate, is love God and do whatever the fuck you want. Peace and blessings. I want to welcome you all back. To the Socks and Sandals podcast, where society, culture, history, and religion collide, and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. It's your guy, Emmanuel. I'm back in the kitchen. I'm whipping it up. And I just want to give you this penultimate episode. Um, I'm glad. Not glad, but, you know, uh, it is what it is. I'm, I'm, uh, I am... I guess I can say I'm glad I'm glad that I, I have this episode um, to get out of me before I do the final episode. And I wanted to end on a round number for whatever that's worth. End on episode 190. That'll be the last episode of the Socks and Sandals podcast as I bring this amazing run, this amazing show to a close. All good things must come to an end um, and we will finish strong. All right. So. But before we get to the last episode, there is this episode. There is some fire that needs to be delivered. Uh, There is some news that needs to be shared and um, some truth that needs to be encapsulated in time. And that is given from uh, a very objective point of view uh, and given from all angles, as I always like to do. All right. So essentially. What this episode is about. Um, if you all have been listening for quite some time, or if you don't know, I am born and raised in Portland, Oregon. All right. Uh, it's my hometown. Uh, and I'm still here, still standing, still strong, a black man living in the whitest metropolitan city in America. All right. And so when you live in the whitest metropolitan city in America, some white shit happens quite frequently. Um, and when I say that, I mean, Some shit that white people do where they get away with it um, and the PR and the, you know, the press that comes out about the incident when it comes to racial incidents is very, uh, very vague, um, obfuscate, obfuscating, is that how you say the word? There's a, there's a word that I can't pronounce, but if y'all kind of get what I was saying in between the three attempts, um, yeah, it's a lot of bullshit going on. So essentially this will happen. Y'all there was a hate crime 
perpetrated at West Sylvan Middle School and it happened during Black History Month in the year of our Lord 2023 so the coldest part there's there's so many cold parts but I'll start here there was a hate crime that happened and it had to do with two white and or Caucasian and or Anglo-Saxon and or Nordic young men that uh, targeted a black boy um, in the eighth grade and once again at West Sylvan Middle School um, grabbed him apprehended him pretended to be police tied him up put their knee in his back and said we're going to George Floyd you and um, kind of sat there and uh, threatened his life and waited for him to die so um, now I'm, I'm going to get into the actual details of that okay I know that sounds crazy but there's there's more to it and I'm going to get into the details of that. But one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why this news and this story is just so disturbing is because of the email that was sent out 10 days ago. Now, I'm, re I'm recording this on February the 27th, 2023. There was an email that was sent out on February 17th, 2023. And I had no idea what was going on in the email. Like it was so vague and they kept referring to an incident. They kept alluding to an incident and I wasn't sure if I should be alarmed or if this was just an incident that they wanted to make a statement about and get kudos for making a statement and kudos for their symbolic gesture of hey guys something happened something bad happened but take this as a learning lesson and talk to your kids and all that type of stuff but what i realized is that you know when i i seen this tweet today and the tweet was an article from the atlanta black star so like a an atlanta-based publication are the ones that that published a full story and i hadn't seen any Portland publications hadn't seen anything on the news. I said it wasn't on the news, it, but it, uh, you know, a friend of mine said it was on the news, and they they seen, you know, um, they seen the the father speaking about it. But this story was suppressed. This story was suppressed, and the email that was sent on February seventeenth, I had no idea what they were talking about. But this is what I'm going to do. Once again, I'm going to cover this objectively. So I'm going to give you. I'm going to take you on the path that I went down. So the path that I went down was initially there was an email on February 17th. And this is what it said. And this is a statement from the superintendent and the board of education. And so let me let you know who the people are that are responsible for this vague, misleading message that essentially glossed over a whole hate crime. A white on black racial terroristic hate crime perpetrated against a teenage black boy. OK, so this is a statement that was written by and approved by the PPS superintendent Guadalupe Guerrero, PPS Board of Education chair Andrew Scott, the vice chair Gary Hollins and the board Julia Brim Edwards. Michelle DePass, Herman Green, 
E Elidy, Lowry, Amy, Constam, Constam, by Ronnie McMahon, student representative. All right. So this is the statement. This is the email. It said several weeks ago at West Sylvan Middle School, there was a racist assault on a student. That's how they described it. Racist assault. We wholeheartedly apologize to the student and family for experiencing this type of severe behavior. We also apologize to the entire African-American community for not alerting all students and families in Portland Public Schools of this hate and bias incident that was experienced by one of our PPS students. We not only condemn this racist, harmful behavior, but we also take a zero tolerance approach to it. What behavior? What hate crime? What actually happened? At this point, I'm, uh, that's what I'm trying to figure out. They're not answering that question. They're just alluding to an incident with no context. Other than it was racial and it was biased um, and it was a racist assault. Once again, we not only condemn this racist, harmful behavior, but we also take a zero tolerance approach to it. It is unacceptable anywhere in Portland public schools. What is unacceptable? What happened? Let me go back to reading. Wherever racism rears its head in PPS, it will be dealt with swiftly and decisively. We do not and will not tolerate racism. Okay, general. This incident highlights another tension that PPS staff faces every day as they support our young learners. Now, so now they take the spotlight and take the care and the consideration away from the student away from the aggrieved group away from the um, the people that have been historically harmed and now they shine a light and center the educators the PPS staff they're going to be alright the PPS staff are going to be just fine The PPS staff, actually, they don't face this every day. Students face this every day. To be honest, the parents that feel this on an emotional level and a very deep level, on a post-traumatic slave syndrome level, are the black parents. And especially those of us that went through the PPS school system, we know about this all too well. So when they said this incident highlights another tension that PPS staff faces every day. No, this incident that happened is not an everyday occurrence. What even happened to George Floyd was not an everyday occurrence. That's why it was so significant. So if somebody tries to reenact a George Floyd occurrence at school. That's not an everyday occurrence for PPS staff. Let me continue. Many ugly incidents such as this can be educational opportunities for the students directly involved, but also for broader community. What is so? So there. But let me go back. 
I'm reading I'm reading this on February 17, 2023, and I don't I don't know what these people are talking about. I don't know what they're referring to. How can something be educational if you don't even know the full context of the thing? What happened? How can I educate somebody on something that I don't know of? I have no details. The broader community, how about how how broadly are you even describing the incident at hand? Let me continue reading something from a specific classroom might be worth sharing with a full school, a cluster of classrooms or even across students within a grade. PPS staff has to weigh the potential of these teachable moments against worsening the harm done or violating any student's privacy. What moment is teachable if you can't give the full context of the moment? This is a horribly written email. And what they're doing is they're hiding the facts through DEI babble souffle. They're just saying all the words, all the buzzwords with no context and no meaning. And these words are empty and powerless. Let me continue reading. Hateful acts at at school are dangerous, disturbing and disruptive. Wherever they are in our district, we are responsible for providing a welcoming, safe and inclusive environment where every child can learn and grow to reach their potential. This incident deserved to be raised to our broader community. What incident? (laughs) What incident? You still have not told anyone what the incident was. Doing so would have been consistent with our commitment to teaching, modeling, and living by anti-racist values. You're not teaching anything. You're not modeling anything in particular. As I digress, our students and staff deserve learning spaces free of hate and are also safe, caring, and positive. All students thrive in an anti-racist culture that challenges everyone to take part in hard conversations and stomp out racism. What are you talking about? Who, why are you using the phrase stomp out racism? What does that even mean? Like, this is so terribly worded. They're using violent language to address actual violence. Take part in hard conversations and stomp out racism. Give me a break, bro. Like this. These these people, these people that put this together and approve this absolutely terrible everybody's job needs to be in question and all the volunteers on the board everybody needs to be in question for this this is absolutely terrible one you're covering up a hate crime two you're sending out this vague email that is confusing and is not getting to the point you can't teach anybody this can't be a teachable moment and nobody knows the context Once again, let me go back. All students thrive in an anti-racist culture that challenges everyone to take part in hard conversations and stomp out racism. Just terrible to ensure a learning environment of safety, security and belonging for every student. PPS does not tolerate hate speech nor acts of discrimination. Of course, you don't 
supposedly. Therefore, this type of behavior should and will continue to carry severe consequences. What behavior, though? Like what what was the behavior? Once again, we encourage our families to take a moment to talk with your students about the importance of kindness, compassion and respect for their peers and friends and also standing up to hate and violence in all of its forms. The following resources can help you support can help support larger conversations with your student and additional learnings. And they list bullet points and links to so-called resources of helping people talk about racism. Together, we can ensure that each PPS learning community is a welcoming space for every student. These are our commitments to you. This is a bunch of trash. So once again, they sent us a DEI babble souffle of empty nothings. Absolutely nothing. No clear message of what happened was in the email. Now, let me try to February 27th the day the evening when I found out the truth about what happened so essentially there was a tweet that was retweeted by my guy Max Smith shout out to Mac um, and the original person that tweeted it uh, man I'm probably not going to pronounce it correctly but her name is Radhika Natarajan. Okay. And so uh, Radhika tweeted, I'm so angry that I'm just hearing about this now. White Portland middle schoolers attempted to kill a black student in school during the middle of the school day. So I see that tweet and then I see an article that she tweeted and it was written by the Atlanta Black Star. That damn train. These trains can go crazy at night. Okay, so so then I click on the Atlanta Black Star article. And the headline is Waiting for Him to Die, Black Oregon Middle School student tied up and forced to act out Floyd's final moments. So obviously this headline gives a thousand percent more context than anything of that email that I just read to you guys. Let me read. Let me read this to you guys again. Black Oregon middle school student tied up and forced to act out George Floyd's final moments. And let me read the article. OK, so it's a black, a black family in Portland, Oregon is upset. Their eighth grade son was the victim of a racist attack attack and was forced to do the George Floyd in quotes in quotations. The parents of the affected student are also calling out the school district for not taking the incident seriously. So obviously there was some back and forth and it sounds like the school district wasn't taking it seriously. And I believe it based upon that email, the email made it seem like it was whatever happened was bad, but Hey, it wasn't that bad, but Hey, it was, it was hateful. It was biased. It was racist guys. We don't, we want to stomp out racism. So come on guys, let's have a conversation. It's a teachable moment. No, this is terrorism. This is assault. This is trauma at a level that is, it's unimaginable. And that's literally what 
um, the father said, Raheem Alexander, we, we know in Portland as, as Alex, if you went to high school with him or college, whatever the case might be. So um, Alex said, this is un this is an unimaginable act of hate that happened to my son and something needs to happen and we need some answers. All right. That's what he said to to coin to Channel six, the news station. It says according to news reports oh so this happened in, in january not february but so this happened january 18th they didn't send an email until a month later that's that's crazy according to news reports the alleged incident happened on january 18th at west silver middle school the unnamed black eighth grade student was allowed to get water from the hallway water fountain as the student went to use the fountain two other students confronted him in quotes um by uh, Raheem Alexander or, or Alex. He said they pushed him up against the wall. They bound his hands behind his back and told him they were doing a George Floyd on him. Once they tied him up, the student was re was reportedly placed on the floor to reenact George Floyd's final moments. Back in quotations, quoting um, the father, Alex. From there, the students were acting like they were police officers, saying that they were going to turn off their chest camera, end quote. Requote. One of the kids had a hall pass, um, had a hall pass on a lanyard and proceeded to tie his hands around his back. End quote. The reenactment continued mimicking the actions of Minneapolis officers towards George Floyd. Uh, requote they put him face down on the ground with his hands behind his back they proceeded to put a knee in his back one of the students said to the to him that now they were turning off their body camera and they're going to wait 20 seconds end quote requote it hurts so bad to hear these things coming out of his mouth end quote i think that was that was alex saying about you know what his son was telling him um, so continuing to read the article, West Sylvan middle school is 67% white. 32% of his students are non-white. Um, black students make up 3.4% according to the current statistics. Um, and then the article talks, you know, kind of recaps May of 2020, what happened with George Floyd and, and Derek Chauvin, how Chauvin is currently sentenced uh, to a 21 year prison sentence. Um, requoting Alex, they were acting as if my son was George Floyd, George Floyd, waiting for him to die. K2 reports the school principal notified the parents of the incident a week later. On January 25th. So once again, this happened. What did it say? January 20, January 18th. Yes, January 18th. And then it says. K2 reports the school's principal notified parents of the incident a week later. In a January 25th letter. So it must be they notified parents of West Sylvan because on Twitter, Mac was saying there were parents, West Sylvan parents. In his DM saying that they got an email, but the email was not specific. So I, it, I take it that email was from the principal on January 25th and then not until February the 17th did the actual district send out an email. So very slow moving 
um, and they talk about swift action and all that. Now this is this this took a long time. Um, and this is a quote from Principal Jill Hunt. This is part of her statement. Um, I'm deeply saddened to share that Wes Sylvan experienced a horrific hate-based incident last week. Because this is an ongoing investigation involving students, we are limited in what we are able to communicate to families, Principal Jill Hunt said in a statement. The letter went on to say that the students involved received appropriate disciplinary action and counselors will work work with students on anti-racist lessons. In a statement, Portland Public Schools said the district stands firmly against any hateful acts in our schools or community. And once again, that BS statement that they made. Um, the students' parents felt the district waiting to respond publicly was unsatisfactory. Yeah, they took too long. It took way too long. It took a whole month to make a statement. They said the school district declined to issue a district-wide statement citing the ongoing investigation um, and the Family Education Rights and Privacy Act. Um, And then it says, we didn't ask them to release any of the students' names, but we felt the entire district needed to know. We didn't want it to be hidden. Hiding it makes them complicit in the act. That is a whole fact. That's the student's mother. Angela Canton, she said that hiding it makes them complicit in the act. Oregon Live confirmed the students who attacked a black eighth grader have been expelled. Uh, She said, is it and this is um, the mother, Angela Canton, being quoted again. Is it a learned behavior? So what help or so what help or counseling is going to be provided um, to either of the perpetrators so that they don't do something like this again. If you're just removing them, that doesn't solve anything. So once again, the mother, Angela, she's not satisfied with the school's discipline decision. She wants more to be done. Once again, she said, it's unfortunate that it happened to my son, but hopefully this will deter um, this type of thing from happening to anybody else's kids. So obviously a lot to go over a lot to unpack but this is where i want to go with it so i guess i'll start out why i'm i'm talking about i'm talking about this for a multiple a multitude of reasons um things like this you know incidents like this when it comes to racism white supremacy is one of the reasons why i wanted to start a podcast Um, But also stuff like this is the reason why I'm getting out of podcasting. Um, You know, it I'm not going to lie. It is therapeutic. It is it is therapeutic to get things off your chest and and talk about it. Um, But it comes to a point where we've been we've been talking for what for far too long i mean how many more conversations how many more teachable moments are we 
and I'm speaking specifically about black people the the decades and centuries of race-based trauma that have been inflicted upon us with little to no consequence on the party that inflicts that trauma on us inflicts that injustice inflicts violence physical or psychological or economic or um, environmental all types of violence we've been talking for a long time and just seeing the trajectory of events and the things that take place and this is not like like ideally we could just talk it out and come to a conclusion and move on but scientifically <laughs> like looking at the equation on a scientific or mathematic basis like the math isn't mathing the talking isn't working we can talk until we're blue in the face but then we'll still be black and so that means in this system of racism white supremacy we are the most eligible for mistreatment and the system is going to system and so just talking to and about the system is not going to dismantle the system or help us get in a better place. And I, when I say talking, I'm just talking about like in a in a format like this of talking about it on a podcast. Like I'll put it like this. Raising awareness isn't going to produce justice we've been raising awareness for 400 years and the level of awareness is degrading if teenagers can live their lives and think in their minds that they can go to school and quote unquote George Floyd a kid and we and then not only that the adults do little or nothing as it pertains to producing justice for the young man that was terrorized that was assaulted And the boys that did this basically get off with a slap on the wrist, expelled. That's it. They're not getting charged with assault. They're not going to juvie. They're not getting exposed. 
their parents aren't getting exposed. Nobody has any uh, retribution other than or any consequences other than you get expelled. So what? They just go to another school. And nobody knows who they are, so it doesn't even matter. Like, what kind of consequences? What kind of justice is that? And then we as parents don't even get the truth from the people that know the story, who knew the story intimately, directly. They send out vague emails. And then the only reason why I found out the truth because I happened to be on Twitter. I put Twitter back on my phone for things like this. But I happen to be on Twitter and I see an Atlanta-based publication tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Unadulterated truth. Portland, we have a problem. But we knew that though, right? We already knew that. We already knew we had a problem. We already know that Oregon was the only apartheid state that was uh, let in the union as an apartheid state, as a white only, as a white utopia. We we knew that. And so, Ray, what is what is raising awareness going to do? It's not going to do anything. So that's the first thing I'll say about this reason why I'm talking about this and reason why I'm, I'm getting out of podcasting because there's there's things that I want to do um, and there's change that I want to see and um, you know I'm not podcasting just for my own benefit or you know just to be entertaining uh, I'm trying to get shit done and this ain't this ain't doing it um, things aren't moving fast enough so I'll, I'll say that another thing that I want to say about this that I want to share with y'all. I think about what was happening in Portland in the 70s and the 80s um, when the Blanchard plan was out and they they decided to, you know, that was their plan of desegregating schools and they were busing black kids out to white schools. Right. Because um, obviously neighborhoods were segregated because that's what America does. They, they've they been segregating since forever. Right. And so. Um, but it was a it was a one sided thing. It wasn't like, all right, white kids, you get bussed into black neighborhoods and black kids are part of your you know, part of your population are going to get bussed out to white neighborhoods. No, it was only black kids getting bussed out to white neighborhoods and white kids can stay in their own neighborhood and go to their own neighborhood school uh, and their schools don't shut down. And then the Black United Front formed among other there were other um, community organizations and coalitions that had came up around that time. But then there was the Black United Front Front, which was led by Ron Herndon um, Amina Anderson and others, uh, and they, you know, they organized and and did a, a boycott, a walkout, and they made all these demands. 
um, that kids no longer get bust out. And then from that, from that action, that direct action, um, that's when the, the district basically created Tubman middle school and Tubman was like the, was going to be the black middle school so that kids didn't have to get bust out anymore. Right. Um, so that was a huge win and it was a lot of organization and direct action and things changed because of that action. But so I think of that, but then I think of, man, what do we do now? And I need to figure that out. We need to figure that out because I don't think boycotting works anymore. Like we're, we're approaching a virus, which is racism, white supremacy. This is a virus. And like any virus, um, it, it becomes resistant to certain medicines, right? Like you give it, you, you attack it with certain medicines and then, and then the virus, it, the, the virus becomes resistant. And then you gotta, you gotta come up with a whole different concoction to be able to fight this virus because penicillin don't work on it no more. Right. And so I feel like us boycotting, um, and making those demands, like that was penicillin, but now it, it don't work. It don't work no more. But we keep doing it, right? We keep boycotting. We keep, you know, we trying to resist in certain type. Of, so, and it's like it's it's not working. I don't know what will work, but something has to change. I do have three children. I do have an eighth grader that is in Portland Public Schools. Um, he's going into high school next year and he more than likely will be going to a private school. Not because of my choice, honestly, because that's where he wants he wants to go. Out of all the schools, we trying to hey, why don't you go ahead? hey go to my old high you know, me and my wife went to Benson, like, hey, you don't want to go to Benson? Like, nah, I don't want to go there, I don't want to go to Jeff. I don't. he visited Grant, he's like, Nope, I don't want to go to Grant, I wanna go here. I'm like, dang, you shutting down all the PPS schools against what we want. He wants to go where he wants to go. But I'll say all that to say I have two other children. I have, you know, uh my daughter goes to Kairos charter school in Portland, an elementary school. Um um and my my baby boy he's almost two, but if we continue to live in Portland, he'll go to some PPS school more than likely or he, he might go private, I don't know. But I say all that to say, man, like we have to do something. I got I got kids coming up in the system. We have children. Some of y'all that live in Portland, we have children coming up in the system. And all this raising awareness and all this talking and all you know, what I mean, come on, man. I'm tired of talking. I'm not gonna lie. I'm tired of talking. I'm tired of raising awareness. But the bullshit that they get away with is absolutely unequivocally unacceptable. So at this moment, man, I don't have no answers. Um but I am I'm livid. Um and just on principle, um justice must be served some way, shape or form. And so it's my resolution to figure out 
how we are going to produce justice for black children in the Portland Public School District. Because the BS has gone on for far too long. And I don't know, man. It, 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 there's nothing more I can say to it. It's, it's, it's gone on far too long. So let me end with this. I'm going to end this with, once again, highlighting and amplifying the names of the people that failed to produce justice and protect our black student, which means they failed to produce justice and protect all black students within PPS. That vague, ridiculous, ridiculously soft and weak email that they sent did nothing to protect our children. So once again, let me call out these people that are responsible and that are complicit. PPS Superintendent Guadalupe Guerrero. PPS Board of Education Chair Andrew Scott, Vice Chair Gary Hollins, and the rest of the board, Julia Brim Edwards, Michelle DePass, Herman Green, Elid Elid Lowry, Amy Constant. Every last one of you failed miserably miserably absolute failure so we gotta speak truth to power and we just gotta speak truth period and that sums up the matter so once again this is the socks and sandals podcast where society, culture, history, and religion collide and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. I'll highlight y'all next time for the last time. It'll be a good one. Don't miss it. Grace and peace. Mm-hmm.